There is something special about sharing exciting news, isn't there? Good news stories come in all shapes and sizes. While never my experience as a child, it can be coming home to show a family an excellent report card. Perhaps your good news was when you got a job at uni, your first job, uh, or got into uni, or you got your first job, when you shared with family and friends that you just got engaged and were flashing the ring and those sorts of things, um, or when you could finally let it slip or you let it finally come out that you were having a baby. Good news can impact a moment. It can impact a season or a lifetime. Good news can change the trajectory of your life. When was the last time you were moved by good news? Let me pray. Jesus, as we spend time in your word today, may we be moved once again by the freshness of the good news that is contained within the words of these pages. Holy Spirit, would you be at work in us and through us as we spend this time together, as we have been spending this time together. And may we respond to the impulses and the promptings of your love for us and those that you have placed us in relationship with. Amen. Well, last week, Samantha introduced us to a fisherman named Peter, who was moving on with his life. He had a good job. He was married. Then in a moment of realisation of who Jesus is, he immediately res- his immediate response was to want to move back. Fear and shame had Peter willing- wanting to pull away. But Jesus calls Peter to stop, to, to step out in faith and to move past fear and to follow him. And even through the ebb and flow of life, of Peter's life, from prophetic declarations to petrified denials, Jesus stays faithful to Peter. Peter's life is changed. The trajectory of Peter's life is moved by the good news that Jesus is the Messiah, the Saviour of the world. And Peter wants to live with Jesus as Lord master, the owner of his life. After all, Peter saw firsthand that Jesus paid for Peter's life on the cross. The sin, the stuff-ups, the denials, the selfishness, all those things that sucked life were dealt with through Jesus' death and resurrection. So Peter is moved by the good news of Jesus. The impact of this is so profound that it moves, moved Peter's life for the better. In the book of Acts, we read how Jesus um, hand, uh, hands on the good news baton to the disciples, around 120 of them. In Acts 2, which Pat read for us just before, um, it describes Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit as promised by Jesus. All those gathered start speaking in other languages and it gets the attention of the crowd that was around them at the time. And they start asking questions. What's going on? We pick up the account in Acts chapter 2, 
verses 22 to 24, and then we'll skip down to verses 36 to 41. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got a different translation, that's okay. I'm sure you'll be able to follow. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep uh, him in its grip. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God made this Jesus whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued to preach for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. For those of us here today who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus, do you remember the time or times that you were moved towards accepting Jesus as your Saviour, as your Lord? Can you remember who spoke to you, who helped you in following Jesus? I remember as a child uh, attending a church with my family in Queensland. We were one of those families that it it seemed as though whenever the church doors were open, we were there, whether we wanted to be, whether I liked it or not. I'd heard about Jesus for as long as I could remember. And then the fear of hell started to seep in. And I remember one evening um, walking down the aisle of the church when the preacher called for people to come forward to accept Jesus into their life. And here I was walking down this aisle, propelled to go down the front of the church by the thought that all my other family members are Christians and they're going to heaven. And if I don't repent of my sins then I'm going to go to hell and I'm going to be there alone without my family. Fear. Fear in some cases can have you move away from Jesus, but fear can also have you move towards Jesus. I became a Christian that day out of fear of going to hell. But over the years, I started to move. I started to slowly move and the ebbs and flows of life continued in my life. But as I spent time reading more about Jesus and who he is and what he's done and experienced more of Jesus' influence in my life, I became a Christian out of a fear of hell. 
I stayed a Christian, not out of fear, but out of an experience of love from and for Jesus. That Jesus wants me to live my best life possible. And that out of love, he gave his life to restore my broken relationship with creator God. I love Jesus. And I want to move and follow where Jesus goes. It's a move in response to the good news of Jesus that continues to shape all aspects of my life today. And that's why it seems such an oxymoron when I read a reporter describing the private faith of evangelicals or that they are pretty familiar with the Gospels and refer to the aspects of the Gospels where it talks about do unto others and love one another. But forget what Jesus was asked and how he responded in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. When he was asked, what's the most important thing in the world to do? This is how Jesus responds. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other, commandments, or no other commandment is greater than these. I want the good news of Jesus to move me to shape me, to shape how I behave, how I speak to others and how I speak about others, how I ask for forgiveness and how I offer forgiveness, how I invest my money and how I fill out my tax return. Being moved by the good news of Jesus is deeply personal, but Jesus never wanted it to be private. Consider who has influenced you. Who has been an influence in your relationship with Jesus? Who continues to do that in your life today? Can you think of that person, who that was, who that is in your life? Now imagine if they kept silent. If they followed the, the line of thinking that it shouldn't be just personal, it should be private. And where would that have impacted you? And how might that have impacted you? But then continuing on from that, what might it mean for those that you know and love? If you are moved by the good news to share with them about the love of Jesus as well. Living out, speaking out the good news of Jesus that sin has us broken. Just look at the news. Look at the news of what's happening around the world and around us in Australia. Think about the last fight that you had and how it was a fight of wills and what you wanted against what someone else wanted. That Jesus came to restore our broken relationship with Creator God and to have an impact on our relationships with others as well. That's what Jesus has done so that we can live life well. What might it mean for those that you know if the love that you have for Jesus and, and being moved by the good news has you share with them about your love for Jesus and Jesus' love 
for them as well. Peter, in his interaction with others in Acts, gives us clues on how uh, we can be moved to help others to be moved by the good news as well. Several times in Acts, Peter moves to where others are at. He hears the questions that they ask. He refers to the experiences that they have. Peter moves to engage them and then leads them to an understanding of how God is moving in their midst. The crowds had questions about this group speaking in other languages with a distinct Galilean accent, I might add. Maybe they're drunk. Peter responds to this question of what's going on. In Acts chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, he says this, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake, these people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Not sure whether he's speaking from experience or not. But um, Peter also knew that many in the crowds had seen Jesus at various times. And some of them were probably even a part of the mob where there was the public um, trial of Jesus. Then later in Acts chapter 2, verses 22, we read this. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs through him as you well know. Peter started with their questions and he reminded them of their experiences and of what they had seen and experienced of Jesus, how Jesus was already at work in and around them. Peter also spoke from personal experience. He had a personal relationship with Jesus which moved him to be different, to see the world differently, to overcome fear. Peter also experienced the resurrected Jesus, that Jesus not only died for uh, the sins of the world, but rose to life again, victorious over death, making it possible to have a restored relationship with our Creator God. In Acts 2, verse 36, we read this, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that uh, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah or Saviour. Peter spoke to their heart. The image of this that this brings is to speak to the seat of physical vitality. In the Old Testament, when they use the term heart, they're often referring to the, the seat of religious and ethical conduct the place of willing, the place of planning. The Greeks saw the heart as being the seat of emotion and thought. And so in the New Testament, it builds on both of these things and it has the understanding of the heart as the seat of feelings, desires and passions. This is not just some intellectual debate of one-upmanship, nor is it about emotional manipulation. Peter in Acts 2 was moved by the good news of Jesus and engaged with people, starting with where they were at and what questions they had. Peter explored and drew attention to the ways and the experiences that they had and highlighted that God was at work through Jesus. That Jesus was not just simply some guru that you listen to or a podcaster that gives you your Red Bull motivation speech for the day. Jesus 
is the saviour of the world and their world needed saving. Acts chapter 2 verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? When they responded, Peter invited them to be moved by the good news some more. Repent. You've been moving away from God. Now turn around and move towards God. Do a spiritual about face. Have a change of heart and mind that is outworked in your values and your behaviours. How you speak, how you love. In Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism, I don't want to play it down at all, so please don't hear that, but baptism is almost like a spiritual charade. You know the game charades where you've got to act out the meaning of something? That's kind of what we do when we get baptised. It's a physical demonstration of a spiritual transformation. It doesn't mean that you've arrived. It just means that you've moved. You've turned this corner and now you want to follow Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is given to the followers of Jesus to help them to know Jesus more, to follow Jesus more to be moved by Jesus and to be moved by the good news of Jesus. For those of you who have been tracking with Northern over a little while, you know that we've been kicking around thoughts about doing a redevelopment here and maybe um, social housing um, above us as a part of our commitment to the community in which God has placed us. And as a church, um, over the last few months, I've been looking at um, plans from architects and exploring how the site might be redeveloped as we look to seek, um, to seek to steward this property well in a way that honours God and serves our community that is in need. But the reality is that if we're not prepared to understand what it means to be moved by the truths of Jesus and the good news about a restored relationship with our Creator, then as a church, if we do a redevelopment, then the, the, the reality is we're just building a fancy new coffin. But I believe that God has more for us than a legacy of wishful thinking. The good news of Jesus still moves in people's lives when we are prepared to put God first and be moved by Jesus' love for our friends, our neighbours and our families. It's interesting that recently the National Church Life Survey did some um, questioning of people in the community, people that are not connected with church. And they asked them, what would help someone accept an invitation to church? And they they gave a range of options and and, uh, gave opportunity for response. Relationship, because it was important to a family or friend um, that they go. Hospitality, um, that they would feel welcome. Service, that the church was doing good work in the community. That it was convenient to get to that church inclusive of all sexualities and genders, timely, that it wouldn't take up too much time, social, 
that there'd be an opportunity to chat to others as well after the service informally. Clear. That they had an understanding of what would happen in church, how it works and all those sorts of things. What was the most important thing in helping people consider coming to church? Well, the results were in. Relationship trumps the lot. It connects the heart and the history. Your relationship with those around you can be the, the catalyst to invite people to come and to connect with Jesus. Peter appealed to the heart. And not all, but many people responded. Now, I'm not saying that um, inviting someone to church is the only thing that you can do. But my question is, how am I being moved by the good news of Jesus to help others to know and experience God's love? Who am I praying for? Who am I being moved by because of the good news of Jesus? When was the last time I was moved by the good news? Let me pray. Jesus, as we spend time in your word and as we reflect on the truths of your word, may you continue to speak to us. May, may we respond. May we be moved by the, the strength of your love for us and those that you have placed us in relationship with. In Jesus' name, amen. So how might we respond today? Well, in a moment, some music's going to be played, and as it does, I want you to consider and write down the names, and it can just be the first names, but the names of those that you will commit to pray for, that they might be moved by the good news of Jesus. And pray that God might move you to be in a place to respond to them, to the questions that they might have, to help them to see Jesus and, and the work of God in their life. Then I invite you at the end of the service, over on this side of the auditorium, there are some little cut-out figurines, some nice colourful ones, figures A and figures B. What I would encourage you to do is to collect one of those for each of the names that you've written down. You can choose figure A and figure B to be representative of whoever it is. And take those home and write their name on the back and to hang on to them. Put them up somewhere, wherever it might be. And to have that as a reminder of your desire to pray for them, that they might be ex experience the good news of Jesus in their life. But also pray that God might use you to have an influence by uh, sharing the good news of Jesus with them as well. For those at home, then my encouragement is that if you wanted to take some time and, and just think about those names once again, and then either in the chat or in uh, the response by sending a text message or email or giving us a call on Monday, let us know how many figures A and figures B you would like to have and we will do our best to post it out to you so that you get those in the mail, um, God willing, and uh, Australia Post working well, um, hopefully this week as well. Who is God laying on your heart today? Take some time to respond to God now. God bless you. Mm -hmm.